The Truth News Network. In a world where up is down and sideways is a way of life, when the truth one moment is a lie the next, and everything is your fault, you need hope. You need clarity. You need TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Do you ever, do you ever feel like you're wrong all the time? Nothing you can do is right. I'm talking about regarding yourself, your spouses, your children, where you work. You just can't seem to get it right. You can't please the boss. You can't please your husband or your wife. You can't please yourself or your kids. I got to be honest with you. That's a very prevalent thing that is happening to people all around the world right now. And you know where it comes from? It comes from the circumstances of life that we either consciously or subconsciously let take control of the things that we think. We put a perspective on everything around us based upon circumstances that are coming from all sides, and we don't have any control over those. I'm not preaching anything, especially not gloom and doom, but it's time for us as Americans, it's time for us as humans to face some cold hard facts. What is that? i got to be honest with you, the United States government is closing in on its people Now, wait a minute. I'm not a nut job. I'm not a, the sky is falling, the sky is falling guy. I'm not one of those people. If you know me personally, you know that I am the eternal optimist. My glass is always half full. It's never half empty. And I feel that exact same way now. But when I get outside of my little circle where I spend my world, I'm talking about geographically, socially, family, I'm talking about all those things. Inside of that, if I go out from there, you're going to face attacks from every front. I was raised in a, in a church and in a church era where evangelists came around all the time. They had one consistent message for everybody in the church, and I'm t- not talking about a denomination or a building. I'm talking about Christians everywhere. What's the message? Get your heart right with God. Based on biblical prophecies, we face a certain time, every human being does, in which the world will turn on the church and turn on Christians. There will be unspeakable atrocities levied levied on Christians who refused to fall in line with the government mantra and the wokeism of the day, public denigration, isolation, brainwashing, even torture and death are going to become commonplace events. You must get your heart right with God to be prepared for the worst. Not going to preach to you today, but I am telling you everything I just told you, specifically public denigration, Isolation, brainwashing, torture, and death is happening in droves today in other parts of the world. It hadn't gotten here. I'm paraphrasing the message. But as a young boy, 
when those evangelists came to our church, I listened. I was petrified. I was afraid, but absolutely certain that I better keep my personal relationship with God the principle that I'm never going to let change. I'm never going down the wokeism road. In fact, let me just say this. Do you realize in business, in government, in society, in your family, wokeism, if it's there, if it's ever there, it is unsustainable. Think about this. What drives everything, every part of our lives? You know what it is. Things like liberty and justice for all, equal justice for all, the rule of law. When that backbone, that spine, that skeleton of the United States of America, and oh, by the way, the fundamental Christian principles that our forefathers used to make this nation what it is, or at least what it was 260 years ago, all of those things are the absolutes that made this nation the most powerful nation on the planet. And it takes something. You've got to put something in to get the results that you want. Here's what's happening around you. Some of you see this. Our international listeners, you probably see it in a greater way than we do. You're already experiencing it and have been for a long time before us. Wokeism is revealing the very enemy attitude that I'm talking about today. Now, what do, what do you mean, Dan? Look, being woke right now is more important than producing results. Now, what kind of results do you want to produce? Well, we want to continue to produce the same results that we've watched happen throughout this nation's 260 years. And you know what? If you change the content that's going into it, what we're seeding into the fabric of this nation, if you change that, what you get out of it is going to change. So no longer are we sold to the liberties and justice that are guaranteed us in the first 10 amendments to the United States. In fact, the Constitution, our Constitution, is under attack, has been under attack, Anytime a person looks at the star-spangled banner, the the red, blue, red, white, and blue of our flag, and they claim that's a, sig- a stigma of, oh, I don't know what, hatred, horrors, racism, all of those things, when you attach that and you begin there and you don't stop there, you keep going down that road, you find a place where nobody's good enough. Nobody has what is necessary. Nobody is worthy of any of the blessings that we have received principally because of our hard work and efforts, our commitments to do the right things, to be the right people, to enforce the rules that are put together and they're put in place and perpetrated by the people that we on a local, a state, in a national level, put there to do for us? That's crumbling. In fact, many people will tell you today, it's crumbled. I listened to these evangelists. I heard what they said as a young boy. 
I acted on my response to what they said and what I heard. And I've got peace today. I, re- I do. I am really at peace. If what we were told again and again actually happens, i got to be honest with you. I am mentally, spiritually, and physically prepared. How many times have we seen and heard through the years that what I shared in the last few minutes that came from the 60s was nothing more than a tactic of controlling people so that insecure, uneducated, and gullible that this would actually be believed by millions on the planet? How many times have we thought that? Now, I'll agree that there have been many who have used this message as a weapon Oh my gosh, people picking up something to use against others as a weapon? That's never supposed to happen in the U.S. You and I are living in it 24-7 now. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. There are people that are not like-minded that hate you, that want to enslave you. There have been a bunch of those people throughout history, but I'm not a junior high student that reacts based on the emotions that come from watching this in other people. In my almost seven decades, I've acquired some knowledge and understanding on many levels, many areas of life. I understand that evil and evil people do exist in every area, but the fundamental message that I adopted made part of my life and my life standards, it doesn't change. It is imperative to have a personal relationship with your creator. Living in that relationship guarantees you and me, if we choose to do so, that we have a path through circumstances that are beyond our control with a certainty that no matter the outcomes of my choices or those around me that are pushing their choices on me and they may be in positions of authority and I have no option. Even if all that happens, I'm going to be okay. How many times have you heard our leaders in D.C. warn us of the probability of totalitarianism? Many people call it socialist light, but it is totalitarianism. How many times are we hearing that that's probably going to happen to us? And with it, of course, would come isolation, ostracization from other people and other nations, total control over our entire lives, even torture and death. Have we heard about that every year? We've heard that nonstop throughout decades of my life. I've heard it from time to time, but it only comes from a few political leaders and revivalist evangelists and some pastors in church pulpits. But I'm hearing and I'm seeing it happen in nations around the world today. And this is not happening in just remote African villages as their leaders slaughter those who disagree with them. It's happening across the globe, even in advanced 21st century world history. 
So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. If you haven't done it yet, if you don't do it, you need to sometime today go to truthnewsnet.org, www.truthnewsnet.org, and click enter. When the front page comes up, you'll see on the far left side, title of a story. Our government will not attack Christians and churches ever. Wrong. They already are. And to save your time, scroll down to a video that you'll see there. The title of it is, What's Wrong With Our World? It's not very long but it will give you some information, some facts, and you will see for yourself actual, provable, documented things that I just talked to you about. And nobody in mainstream media America is talking about it. None. Wow. I shocked you. It's Monday morning. We're supposed to be, hey, everybody, we got another week. Let's just go have a good week. Sip your coffee or whatever it is that you drink in the morning, and everything's going to be cool. Government's doing what governments do. Leaders are doing what leaders do, and all you got to do is fit into your little niche and, okay, kind of worry about what the woke folks say, how you're Companies' operations have changed and what's acceptable and what's no longer acceptable and how you've got to fit in. (laughs) All the little cares of life, they determine things that we don't even think about. Decisions, choices that we make to do or not to do, to be or not to be. It's America. Freest country on the planet. For now. So we're going to dig into the number one conundrum that's around us. And I don't even have to tell you what it is. If you're in the United States and even those in other countries that look in and they look at us formerly as a shining beacon on the hill, maybe now it's just because we're the most politically powerful country on the planet. But they look in and they watch what's happening here. At least 21 people are dead today. Fatally shot during the weekend in Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago. Isn't it interesting? Every Monday morning, we have to look back and see how many people died in Chicago. That's kind of the watchtower for gun violence on the planet. And of course, this just feeds the mantra of the far left. We've got to take away all the guns. We have too many people that have guns. I've challenged Multiple times, I actually even put out an email that I sent to every Chicago city council, sitting city council member, and the mayor and said, please, when you give these reports of the people shot and killed in Chicago, tell us if the guns that were used were legally purchased. Nobody responded, but I can tell you why nobody responded. Almost every one of them are not owned legally. They're stolen. So, novel idea. You want to stop the 21 getting shot, killed over the weekend in Chicago, seems like every weekend? 
get the criminals and lock them up. Do anything and everything. Charge them, throw the book at them, any crime that they committed, possession of illegal materials, breaking and entering, manslaughter, whatever it is. Don't give them another opportunity to repeat. As long as you don't hold them accountable, they're going to continue to do it again and again and again. Governor Pritzker of Chicago, he got an assault weapons ban put in place. Do you know that? 80 sheriffs of 80 counties in Illinois said they're not going to enforce it. It's not guns. It's the people that choose to use guns that are evil and the guns they own are possessed and they're illegal. Stop the illegality. Kill it. And the shootings and the murders will virtually be eliminated. That's what the rule of law does if it's enforced. And then here's another big city mayor, Mayor Eric Adams of New York. He's up screaming this morning, these immigrants that are being pushed on the people of New York, we can't sustain the financial hit that we're taking. And he's demanding $2 billion to care for these quote-unquote economic migrants. You and I should pay for his issues in New York. He's never offered to volunteer a hand to, oh, the likes of uh, Houston, Albuquerque, Phoenix, San Diego, Los Angeles, all of those border states down there that have been totally sustaining the illegal flood of Aliens coming into the United States. He's never said one thing about it. He's never offered. He's never lifted a finger to help out. And so all of a sudden, he's feeling some of the pain that they've been feeling for years, decades. Think about it. California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. They've been dealing with illegal immigration for decades, for generations. And the feds don't do a whole lot about it. They do. I'm, I don't want to denigrate the federal, the Custom Border Patrols. The I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying the federal government. They're the ones that should be totally responsible for. And Mayor Adams, have you gotten on the phone with the president? Have you gotten on the phone with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and made your demands? That's who you should demand it from. And of course, if they ever give you a dime, it's not them. They're just taking some of our tax dollars that they don't have in the bank. They're just going to go borrow it. And then Americans will not only be paying for the principal, we'll be paying for the principal and the interest to oh, the Chinese Communist Party, whoever buys our Fed bonds. What's good for the gander? Enough of that. Let's move on to something that is probably a little more palatable today. And what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about 
just relaxing for another minute. Uh, Take a deep breath with me. Let it out. Let's take three minutes. Let's talk about getting old. <laughs> if you, even if you don't want to talk about it, uh, it's happening. You're not going to be a young chicken forever. Here's a little ditty. Don't let the old man in. Don't let the old man in. I won't live me some And leave it up to him He's knocking on my door And I knew all of my life That someday it would end Get up and go outside Don't let the old man Many moons I have lived My body's weathered and worn Ask yourself how would you be If you didn't know the day you were born Try to love on your wife And stay close to your friends Toast each sundown with wine Don't let the old man in an obvious reference to state of mind determining how old we really are. How old do we act? How old do we uh, make our lives principles be based on? A lot of things that point to how old we are, how old we feel, how old we even look. Think about that today. Make your Monday a good one. Find somebody right now. We're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to jump right on the big, big banana front and center with everybody. But during the break, 
Why don't you look at somebody? If there's somebody in a cubicle next to you or in the next office or you're in a truck maybe driving, doing deliveries, the next place you get out, just look at somebody and smile and say, hey there, how you doing today? Did you have a good weekend? Man, I just hope you have a great week and make the best of it. Make somebody smile today. Playoff time, baby. Games, snacks, drinks. I mean, what else can you ask for, bro? Really? Hey, pass me a Pepsi. I mean, can you drink any louder? That's how I drink. Loud like that? I drink loud. I like to enjoy it. Toss me some ways. Did you eat any louder? It's normal to eat loud. Drinking loud makes no sense. Peyton, Eli, road trip to the Super Bowl. Hard pass. Playoffs are on. You're paying for that door, by the way. The bus! The bus has got a bus! Let's go! Can we go see the bus? What up, Eli? Mr. Cruz! I miss you, buddy! I miss you too, man! Super Bowl, baby! Let's go! We're not going. I'm going to get more chips and drinks. Do not leave this room. I got you. I got you. Whoa! Super Bowl! Here we go! Are you kidding me? Technically, I didn't leave the room. I'm calling mom! After I finish these chips. How much longer? You drive weird. Bus, are we there yet? No. Hey, Bus, we got to pull over for some more chips and drinks. Oh, you got it. Hey, guys, look who I found. Bradshaw? <laughs> hey, guys, got room for one more? Got Doritos. Got Mountain Dew. What, do we really want to bring them? It might start to feel crowded. I mean, maybe if we had a little... Oh, please don't. You know, you don't say it. Salsa. <laughs> I love me some salsa. All right, I got an idea. We got one seat left, and it's special just for you. Let's do it! Ah! It's like a convertible! It's up a whole lot better! Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird, I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey breast. Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. probably realized that first commercial in the break was Super Bowl. Do you realize Super Bowl is just weeks away? It's hard to believe this year has flown by. I think what happened is during the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdowns, we reset our calendars and our clocks in our mind. Everything went so stinking slow. It was like, we can't get anything done. We don't have time. No resources, and so we had to just slow down our clocks, and now we're back to normal, most of us, and everything's spinning. The clock is ticking, and everything's spinning, and it's faster and faster just because of where we are and where we live. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Where do we live today on the important matters of today? DocuGate, Joe Biden's DocuGate, It is keeping everybody in the news media. It's given them lots of fodder, 
lots of ammunitions to throw out there and make their shows sound bigger or better than they are. We're going to get into the ins and outs of it, but this is not the only thing we're covering today. There are a lot of other important things, and we're going to get right to it. But let's go to the big show last night. It's a really good way to get a recap on the week if you've if you've got time. Uh, there was a lot of NFL playoff stuff going on all day yesterday, and we still got a game tonight. The Cowboys are playing tonight, so a lot of us didn't notice it. But the big show, they didn't miss any of it. Even after more documents were found in Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, you know, the same place where classified info was found in his garage with his Corvette, Democrats are still defending Biden because apparently his team is doing the right thing. Watch this. I'm going to reserve judgment. It looks, uh, as far as we can tell, that it was inadvertent that these documents were in these locations. We don't want to turn this into just a political football. They don't think it's the right thing, and they have been moving to correct it. I'm glad to see that the president uh, and his administration are cooperating. They take it very seriously, and they are abiding by the laws. Obvious double standard between the way President Biden is being treated and the whole FBI raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. What's real concerning to me is how justice is applied and is it applied equally? Why do you raid President Trump? This is just hypocrisy. And I'm tired of this Justice Department that we found that went after parents and others, that they utilize it to go after people because they have different political beliefs. It's this double standard. It's, you know, uh, Clinton mishandles classified information and they get a certain Biden mishandles classified information. They get treated a certain way. And then, of course, President Trump gets his gets his home raided. 91 days before this midterm election. I think uh, Biden has highlighted his incompetence for the world to see. All right, Charlie, I'm going to start with you based off of your reaction when we were listening to the Democrats. So they they don't want to turn this into a political football. It was inadvertent. No, no. Luckily, these people, they found the one uh, line of business. Uh, where uh, hypocrisy and dishonesty, it, it's, it's perfectly acceptable. But, I mean, Jamie Raskin and, uh, and Adam Schiff, two of the most dishonest sleazebags to be in Congress. Totally. To listen to them talk about all this stuff as if they're sort of, you know, are, you know, you know uh, honest arbiters is astonishing. But, you know, they are right about one thing. I would say there are huge significant differences between the situation with Donald Trump and the situation with Joe Biden. The most important is... That we have, you know, we know where the documents came from with Donald Trump. What we don't know, we have no idea where the documents came from, where they have been with with uh, Joe Biden, who has had access to them, to them. Have they dusted them for fingerprints from Hunter Biden? Because we know of all of his business relationships he has with uh, foreign countries and, and adversaries. There are lots of questions here, and and the real question, and, and and really this is the most alarming part of all of it, is we now know how deeply invested. American intelligence services is in our elections. They are willing to do anything to insert themselves into these elections. Are they going to be able to uh, to, to carefully go after and get to the bottom of these questions? Well, especially anything to prevent Republicans from winning. And, right. and Joe, on that front, let's take a listen to uh, the incoming oversight chairman. Or no, he's an oversight chairman now. James Comer. Let's take a listen. We want to know uh, the visitor logs to the residents. We want to know who had access uh, to the Biden Center for Diplomacy, because uh, this is the same uh, type of uh, investigation that the Democrats were so outraged and and launched and demanded happen to, to President Trump. 
So, Joe, we just heard from Comer there. What, what's going on in my head is why now? You know, why are we finding out mm. about these documents now, years after he was vice president? Yep. Why now? Six years these documents have been here. And now suddenly, January of 2023, at a time where the sitting president of the United States says that he's going to announce whether he's running for re-election or not, and now suddenly these things are suddenly discovered? you got to love Adam Schiff, by the way. You know, it's clear that these were inadvertently placed there. Oh, really? In two separate locations? How does that happen? And why were they split up that way, by the way? There are so many questions around this, but James Comer had the right question. Peter Ducey asked it as well, and that is, where are the visitor logs to Wilmington and to the Rehoboth, Delaware beach houses? Because the president has spent by, I think it's CBS News, is uh, Mark Noller, he keeps track of this stuff, 195 days in Delaware during his presidency, which means there are a lot of people going in and out of those places, which are basically crime scenes, at least the Wilmington houses anyway, and we don't know. Here's the bottom line. Joe Biden now gets a special counsel, which is what no president wants, because special counsels, they're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And it could be to start out, OK, how did the documents get to the Penn Biden Center and to Wilmington? And then suddenly when you look at those documents and if they pertain to, say, Ukraine, China, Hunter Biden, influence peddling. And if our president is compromised by the likes of China, boy, that special counsel is going to go a Ken Starr type of direction where it starts in one place and goes in 40 different other directions. Well, you know, particularly when we know that the think tank is backed by China. I mean, they've donated and given money. You know, Rachel, you guys had the former uh, director of national intelligence, director of national intelligence. intelligence. There we go. Got it. On Fox and Friends uh, this morning, let's take a listen to what he had to say. It can't be an inadvertent mistake when you do it four times. One time, maybe it's inadvertent mistake, but, uh, you know, four times. So, all of that from a legal standpoint, my concern is the former DNI is the national security standpoint, the fact that uh, classified documents were kept at a house where uh, a drug addict uh, yes. who has uh, colleagues from communist China and unsavory oligarchs from Ukraine um, would have access to that. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. I mean, he makes a good point yes, when it keeps happening. It's maybe not inadvertent. Yeah, right? he makes a good point about Hunter Biden. Um, he is a crack addict. Um, he also shared an office, by the way, with, uh, you know, his dad. Jill Biden, and a Chinese energy executive who had ties to the Chinese communist government. So these are, this is somebody with lots of ties. He also has a lot of need for money, not just because he has to pay off the strippers and the drug habits, but he has ex-wives. He has strippers now demanding child support payments. His dad wants a lot of money from him, as well as we learned from the emails. Here's the thing that really, I, I think, you know, people go, it's, it, it's not fair, right? The way Donald Trump is, is, is treated versus, um, you know, the way Joe Joe Biden is being treated in this circumstance. Republicans are used to not being treated fairly by the media. But we cease to be America when we don't treat crimes um, in the same way because of ideology or because of who is in power. Look at who is that. The, the lawyers that went, uh, you know, Joe Biden gets his lawyers get to go and figure out where all these documents are. Well, what if Giuliani was imagine if Giuliani had been picked to go into Mar-a-Lago and figure out where the documents were? The media would be losing their mind. Um, the, you know, the, the DOJ would be losing. They would never allow that to happen. But for some reason, it happens with them. We are losing our country because we are losing the very idea of equal justice in the law. We are no better than Cuba, no better than any, you know, uh, you know, these third world countries when we allow this to happen. I'm trying to remember correctly when the FBI went into Mar-a-Lago, didn't. 
didn't Trump's lawyers want to oversee yeah, that raid? No. And they, they, they said no, correct? That's right. Okay. Well, and they, and they were in that. full negotiation right. with uh, the National Archives at the time. Right. And, they, and, and by the way, it was also under lock and key, which, of course, um, uh, Biden backers want to. But, but, it, but the arch- by the way, the archives now, uh, Comer oversees the archives. He's been sending letters out to them. They won't respond. He told us that on Fox and Friends. So archives fully involved in Mar-a-Lago. So it's, um, it's, but, it's not just our intelligence services. It's no, the entire federal yes, government. Yes, it's is, a swamp. It, 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 Yeah. Also, how so the National Archives, they were on Trump's case about turning over these. How did how did all these years lapse with Joe Biden? Well, and where where was the concern with him? And again, where were the documents during that period of time? We know exact. We know the exact. You know, they were put on a plane at the White House under Trump's White House and they were flown to Mar-a-Lago and they were put in a closet in a, under a lock right. and key and then put under a better lock and key after the National Archives complained about it. This has been six years out of the Obama. They were stolen out of the Obama White House by whom? Where did they go? Where have they been? Who has had access to them? And that's why. And again, you know, I, I you know, I, I, Hunter Biden is a sad case. But it, it is crucial to find out what access he had to those documents and d- did he do anything with them to help his business partners in China, in Ukraine, in Mexico, uh, and, and uh, other places around the world that we don't even know about. Yeah. And it's not so, just Hunter Biden, yeah. because the whole Biden family is involved in yes. this enterprise. You know, we, we call it the Hunter La- La- Biden laptop scandal. This is a Joe Biden yep. problem. Our president is potentially, in my opinion, I think he is compromised. I've asked many senators who agree with me on that. And this is this is serious stuff, much more serious than anything that was happening at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Joe, real quick, yeah. um, is there at any point Democrats jump ship on this, do you think? <laughs> wow. I think if there's overwhelming evidence that they can't run from, yeah. then no. But until then, you'll see what we saw on the Sunday morning talk shows today. By the way, if you watch Meet the Press today, by the way, Chuck Todd actually asked, was yelling at Senator Ron Johnson. I don't know if you saw this, Charlie or Rachel, but then not many did, apparently. Uh, but then he defended Hunter Biden and he said, well, I don't see how influence peddling the family name could possibly be illegal. <laughs> like, it's perfectly fine. So if you're wondering how the media wow. is going to cover this, we're already seeing that double standard that we've been well, talking about. Well, we will keep covering it. A great discussion. Indeed. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. There were a lot of things that were brought out in that piece. I mean, it, they were all over the place, but they covered Pretty much every one of them. Now, Hunter is up to his eyeballs in this. Why? We're going to get into that in just a couple of minutes. But for those of you that didn't keep up with the news during the weekend, let me go back and rehash the first 12 days. Well, it's not just of this month, but let's get up to date through the 12th of this month. Starts back November 2nd. That's right, November 2nd, last year. Biden's personal attorneys, and this is a quote, unexpectedly discovered documents that had classified markings, and they found them at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. That's located in D.C. Now, this is according to Biden's attorney, Bob Bauer, nobody else. Now, why would Biden's personal attorneys be the ones that just happened to find those at the Penn-Biden Center of Diplomacy in D.C. Don't know. The documents that we're talking about, those original ones that were found, were from the Obama-Biden administration. 
The attorneys alerted the National Archives Records Administration, who they anticipated would then reach out to the Department of Justice, and that's what happened. Two days later, the National Archives Office of Inspector General told the prosecutor at the Department of Justice that it had been notified by White House counsel that documents with classification markings had been identified at the Penn Biden Center. That office was not authorized for the storage of classified documents. Did you get that? The office at the Penn Biden Center was not authorized for storage of classified documents. That's kind of like, I don't know, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She had, for the entire time she was Secretary of State, she had what should have been a government computer server at her house that was checked out, put in place, monitored by the federal government. Why? Because all of her communications around the world went through that unclassified server. Let's go a few more days down the road to November 9th. That day, the FBI started an assessment to understand whether classified information had been mishandled in violation of federal law. November 10th, the Justice Department notified Biden's attorneys it had started an assessment of the classified documents, and according to the attorney Bauer, they were in regular contact with the DOJ. November 14th, U.S. Attorney John Lausch was assigned to conduct an initial investigation to inform the AG's office about whether to appoint a special counsel. December 20th. Now, where do we go for a month and a week? It's interesting. Went from November 14th to December 20th. On the 20th, Biden's personal attorney informed Lausch that more documents with classification markings from Biden's time as VP had been identified in the garage of Biden's private residence in Wilmington, Delaware, but everything was okay. It was all safe. President told us over the weekend, oh, yeah, they were in my garage, but my Corvette's in the garage, so that means everything in there was safe. I'll drop a little bomb on that in just a few minutes. And then the FBI went to... Wilmington to secure <laughs> secure those documents. The next day, December 21st, the DOJ took possession of those documents. January 5th, Lausch, he briefed A.G. Garland on the results of his investigation, and he advises the Attorney General that further investigation by a special counsel is needed. January 9th, the first news report broke that DOJ is investigating classified documents discovered at the Penn-Biden Center. Next day, Joe Biden addresses the matter for the first time and says he was surprised to learn about classified documents and is cooperating fully with the Department of Justice. January 11th, Biden's attorney searched his two Delaware homes for other records. The key to that was Biden's attorneys. Biden's attorneys searched his two Delaware homes for other records. Not anything like Mar-a-Lago. One investigation by who? 
the Department of Justice, the FBI. January 12th, the next day, Garland holds a press conference, announces that in a phone call with Biden's personal counsel, it was revealed a third set of classified documents had been identified at the president's home in Wilmington. So that was three sets, and we had another one show up over the weekend. Attorney General has appointed Robert K. Hurd now as special counsel to investigate this handling, or call it mishandling, of classified documents. DocuGate. DocuGate. It's alive, folks. <laughs> it's alive, and it's not going anywhere. I've got some more stuff I want to talk to you about about this, but this just popped in my head. How long do you think it's going to be? Pick a day, pick a week, place a bet. I'm not a bookie, but if I was, I would be asking my friends, hey, let's start a pool. What day will prominent Democrats come out and say, President Biden should resign? (laughs) It's going to happen. Why? Because more and more about this that none of looks good, but it's going to look even worse as we go forward, I'm predicting. It's going to happen. They're going to be after him. There'll be a Republican or two probably this week, toward the end of the week, that are going to say, you know what? President Biden, he he, he may should consider resigning over this. And I won't even get to the details of what would happen. But if you'll remember... In the election, in the run-up to the election, I told you that if he was elected, it would not be very long before Jill would be making a phone call to then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Now it would be, of course, to Kevin McCarthy and say, hey, during the night we had an incident happen. Joe's health has taken a big turn. He's not going to be able to move forward as president. He needs to resign. That's going to happen. When's it going to happen? I, you know, I don't know. I predicted it two years ago. And it hadn't happened yet. Interesting, isn't it? So now the majority in the House is controlled, of course, by Republicans. Congressman James Comer from Kentucky is head of the Oversight Committee. And boy, as we were promised, as Congressman Johnson told you, you heard him right here say it several weeks ago, they were teed up. They had all kinds of investigations that they were going to launch immediately and legislation that they were going to push a piece of it. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But over the weekend, Comer has accused the National Archives of stonewalling the Republican-led probe into Biden's handling of these classified documents. And now it's becoming, let's come up with a good label for it. How about a crisis of credibility? That sounds kind of political, doesn't it? A crisis of credibility. And of course, he's talking, Comer's talking about the president, Joe Biden. The White House said Saturday, another five pages. This is this is DocuGate revelation number four. Four times now, five pages of classified documents. And they found them on Thursday at Biden's Delaware home. We didn't hear about it till the weekend. 
Biden said he was surprised by the discovery of the documents, and both he and his allies have insisted they've cooperated with the National Archives and the DOJ over all the materials involved in this, while Republicans have launched a probe into the matter. Comer, chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, he tweeted this late yesterday. The National Archives has yet to provide a simple briefing to the committee about its handling of these documents after Comer sent a letter for the agency nearly a week ago requesting that, information and documents. He said this in his tweet, the archives isn't being transparent with the American people. So many questions remain unanswered. I will use the power of the gavel to get those answers. Now, in that Twitter post, Comer also shared an interview that he gave to Fox News yesterday in which he expounded the National Archives' apparent stonewalling. In it, he said this, The administration never told the American people. The National Archives never briefed me or the then chairperson of the House Oversight Committee as they're supposed to when something like this happens. It's not good for the goose is good for the gander in American politics when the Democrats have so much power over the American political process they pretty much decide they're the woke crowd they're the ones that decide who is evil who can stay who's bad and they gotta go and it's gonna happen to Uncle Joe they're gonna turn on him I promise you he was and we told you this from the beginning he was and is nothing more than a placeholder. They needed him for his recognizability, but more than that, his malleability. In other words, the way that they could use him while he is in office. And that's bearing out every day. One example is this classified docket gate problem. When the president said he had no idea where these documents were, that they were there in the, the, uh, think tank in D.C. and then in the garage and now they found some inside the house. He had no idea. You know what? I think he's telling the truth. And that's even scarier than the alternative. He didn't know. First of all, probably because he had never read them, he didn't know anything about them and he certainly had nothing to do with moving them. Now, you're an American citizen like me. One thing that frosts me in this is I begin to ask questions when these things come up. One of them that popped up over the weekend was, why are we letting Biden's attorneys go do all this digging and find these classified documents? You think that would happen in the case of a Trump document problem? No, that's not the way it would happen with Trump. We know, we've seen it happen. It was an all-out FBI raid with more than a dozen agents there with Helicopters, black ops helicopters flying overhead. (laughs) There is no quid pro quo in politics. Right now, it's pretty much Democrats still control the narrative. They they control the narrative, the media. And of course, what's the, the philosophy? The truth doesn't matter. It's perception. Perception is the reality that people want to grab a hold of. Before we get away from DocuGate, I just want to mention a couple of things. 
Let's talk about Hunter. We hadn't brought up Hunter's name in any of this. Well, he's now looked like a bit involved in it. He listed $49,910 monthly rent payments while he was living at the Delaware home on the beach. Now, this is supposed to be rent. Monthly rent payments of $49,910. Now, why would he be paying his dad that? Well, he was living there. He was living in the Delaware house. Now, this is according to the New York Post, a document that they found. The, the document is titled Background Screening Request. It appears that Hunter paid that rent for one year while he was living at Joe's residence where the president kept classified documents, you know, right next to my Corvette. They're really safe because my Corvette, I got to keep it safe. Now, where did this come from? It came from Hunter who listed it, the rent agreement, from March of 2017 to February of 2018. And he signed it in July of 2018. In 2017, Joe Biden left the White House. And he stored a large number of classified documents inside his garage in that Delaware home and at two other locations. The first batch was found, and they alleged to contain information pertaining to Ukraine and Iran, according to CNN. This rental thing, that document also shows that Hunter checked a box on the form that he claimed to own Joe Biden's home. Now, it's it's unknown why Hunter would have paid rent if he owned the home. That's what other documents show that Hunter signed that he was paying that $49,000 a month as rent to his father. And it should be noted that on Joe Biden's 2017 tax return on Schedule E, it only listed $19,800 in rents received. And in 2018, there was none of that on there. But according to the records, the records, $49,910 each month were paid to the now president as rent. He never reported any of that. Uh-oh, that's the Internal Revenue Service. Look out, Joe, they'll come after you. Yeah, right. Comer, the Oversight Committee chair, believes that a bunch of Hunter's suspicious wire transfers that were flagged by U.S. banks, we've talked about it here, anytime a suspicious overseas wire comes in, the bank, reports those to the U.S. Treasury. There was a bunch of those. They're flagged for review after numerous requests. The Treasury Department will not show any of those notices by these U.S. banks for these big Biden family syndicate wire transfers coming in. They won't let anybody look at those and investigate the sources of those. And that in the wake of this, that for years, wire transfers have been the tool of choice for 
money launderers and drug transactions. To mitigate the risk to the financial institution, suspicious wire transfers over 10 grand are flagged for review. Wire transactions involving more than $10,000 are also they must be reported to the IRS. Moreover, international wire payments like those to James and Hunter Biden are monitored by the Office of Foreign Assets Control to make sure the money's not part of a corrupt business scheme. <laughs> I'm sure they, they really looked into all of those that were flagged, right? Hunter revealed in 2019 in a text to his daughter that the family has an arrangement where Joe Biden collects half his son's salary. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything this entire family for 30 years, Hunter described in his text to his daughter. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, that's Joe in the, well, his name is Joe, but in the family they call him Pop. Unlike Pop, Hunter said, I won't make you give me half your salary. Of course, none of that was reported on Joe's tax returns. According to former Utah U.S. Attorney Brett Tolman, the Biden family's payment mechanism may show the core of an entrenched business enterprise, which could involve legal predicates for, listen to this, for racketeering. Yeah, the DOJ is going to go after anybody in that family for racketeering. Before we go away, no visitor logs for Biden's Wilmington home. The sight of all these classified documents in that discovery. The White House counsels, counsel said uh, they're not going to give up a list of who has gone to meet with the president in Wilmington. And the reason is, the council says there aren't any. I will bet you a lot of money there are <laughs> there are visitor logs, if nothing more than somebody's got them in a calendar so they know who's coming on what day and at what time. Oh, it's not there. We don't have that. Never existed. Horse hockey. Republicans over the weekend, they demanded visitor logs following the revelations that Biden's lawyers, not DOJ lawyers, but Biden's lawyers had discovered a stash of classified documents inside the home's garage. Now, it is practice to keep comprehensive visitor logs at the White House, but Biden's lawyers say no such record exists for his home in Delaware. Will we ever get away from this crap? Nope. I think it's going to last at least through the midterm elections in 2024. And by the way, the University of Pennsylvania, that's where the um, the Biden think tank is located. Now think about that. They got, they got their documents from wherever they got them, and they were kept at this think tank. While this was happening and Joe was on the staff at UPenn, very mysteriously, tens of millions of dollars showed up for UPenn, University of Penn, from China 
while paying Joe Biden and hosting his foreign policy think tank, successfully pressured the Biden DOJ to end an FBI counter-espionage program targeting Beijing's increasing influence within U.S. academia. This is real. Attorney General Merrick Garland shut down this so-called China initiative in February of 2022, right after more than 160 members of the University of Pennsylvania faculty signed and made public an open open letter demanding the program be shuttered on the grounds that it amounted to racial profiling. That faculty letter, by the way, was part of a larger university battle against that program. We acknowledge the importance to the U.S. of protecting both intellectual property and information that is essential to our nation and our economic security. That's from this letter that was made public on February 9th. We understand that concerns about Chinese government-sanctioned activities that include intellectual property theft and economic espionage are very important. We believe, however, the China initiative has deviated significantly from its claimed mission. It is harming the U.S. research and technology competitiveness, and it is fueling biases that in turn raise concerns about racial profiling. There it goes, the woke crowd. They're playing the race card. Anytime they do that, what does that always mean? If they ever throw it out there, if you're talking to somebody about politics and they eventually throw out the race card, what that means every time is this. And remember this, when you hear it, it means they have no substantive counter actions or things that they can say in disagreement with what you're saying. That's their default. They go to the race card. Now, UPenn's not one of the only ones of these left-leaning universities. MIT, Harvard, also appealed to the DOJ to close down the, the program, China Initiative. Two weeks after the letter was sent, Garland announced, guess what? The termination of the program. And boy, when he did that, it sent shockwaves through the federal law enforcement. The DOJ's very own website, Merrick Garland's very own website, still includes to this day a lengthy recitation of criminal cases. The four-year-old program, the China Initiative, had brought against members of college staffs across the nation who were working with China either on espionage charges or failure to disclose foreign monies, which is required by law. One month before this decision by the DOJ, FBI Director Christopher Wray, he went to the Reagan Presidential Library in California to give a speech. He was pleading for the government to devote more attention and more resources to combating China's devastating influence inside our nation. He specifically cited cases where Beijing had used these university academics to do its its very bidding. Ray claimed China's espionage has become more brazen and more damaging. Quote, China's government has the global reach and presence of a great nation, but it refuses to act the part, 
and too often uses its capabilities to steal and to threaten rather than to cooperate and build. That theft, those threats, are happening right here in America literally every day. And in all of that, Merrick Garland, who, by the way, is Christopher Ray's boss, Chris Ray is the director of the FBI, Merrick Garland, uh, Garland, he's over all of it, he canceled the very piece of legislation that we've had in place called the China Initiative, which monitors what the Chinese government is doing in the United States, impacting with money, professors, laboratory-controlled research projects. Xi Jinping, he got Merrick Garland to shut it down. And even people inside the administration, Joe Biden's administration, are admitting, huge mistake. Now, we have no way to keep up with what they're doing, spending dollars to impact the way things are taught in university classes, but more importantly, and the big one is, to get in. And they're sending Chinese doctors very quietly to go on staff to monitor all of the laboratory research that is happening at our universities. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, uh, can I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Hey, can I get a... Uh, 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity. One truth at a time. TNN, the Truth News Network. And you know what? None of this, none of this, in the context of where it's happening right here, the United States of America, the freest, the most powerful, the most economically successful nation in world history, 
All of this is happening internally in the United States. These are not aggressors that are walking up to the front door and knocking on the door with guns pointed. They'll blaze at the second the door is open. No, 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 no. We're inviting them to come join us. We're giving them access to our innermost things that only we're supposed to know. And it's really creating a big deal. University of Penn, this whole debacle about Biden's think tank there and all the money coming from China. It's really, it's not the only thing. It's indicative of what's happening feeding this dissolution of the skeleton of the United States. New reports indicate there's another major player in the Biden document scandal, and it's the Chinese Communist Party. The University of Pennsylvania's Biden Center, where classified documents were found, received more than $30 million from anonymous Chinese donors. Here to tell us why Penn's Biden Center is a dark money nightmare, we're going to bring in National Legal and Policy Center Chairman Peter Flaherty. Peter, thanks for joining us. So we know that the number, the, the dollar amount accelerated, the money they were getting from China to the UPenn accelerated as the Biden, you know, center, whatever they do, um, became established at the university. What does this tell you? What, why was Penn taking that money and did they report it properly? Well, good morning, Rachel. Uh, Colleges and universities around this country receive a lot of foreign money, and UPenn is no different. They've received money from China and Saudi Arabia in the past. What's significant here is that uh, once the Biden Center was established, the gifts accelerated, and much of the money was anonymous, as you pointed out. There was a single $14 million anonymous gift in 2018 from a source in China. The, uh, the attention that this whole thing is getting now is a great relief to us because we uh, focused on this issue in uh, 2020. We uh, tabulated the amounts of money uh, from Chinese sources and we filed a complaint with the Department of Education because universities are supposed to disclose any gift over $250,000. And the University of Pennsylvania did not do that. Unfortunately, to our chagrin, the education department didn't do anything about it. So we now renew our call for the University of Pennsylvania to disclose who in China gave all this money to the Biden Center. Absolutely, we should know that. I think they should probably register as foreign agents at this point. But this is what concerns me about the money going to the university, Peter. And tell me if I'm wrong. First of all, we know that it's affecting policy. Um, I think there was a call for the, the China initiative to disclose a lot of these this um, this funding from foreign uh, and from China specifically. And they said uh, the universities, uh, the Ivy Leagues, including UPenn, said that that was racist. Um, but it's also affecting the curriculum, isn't it? Well, yeah, but uh, you raise a good point. It looks like the Chinese may have uh, gotten their money's worth. 150 uh, UPenn professors wrote a letter to Merrick Garland last year saying that the China Initiative, which is a law enforcement effort to root out Chinese espionage on American campuses, was racist. And uh, it's really ironic because uh, UPenn itself is very discriminatory when it comes to Asians in their admissions as are the other Ivy League schools. In fact, right. that problem is now under review by the Supreme Court. So it could be that these professors uh, know where their bread is buttered. They've never done a letter complaining about 
the, the, the university's admission policies. Yeah, which are racist. <laughs> um, in terms, of the admission policies are racist, but they sure like those Chinese dollars. Um, this this is a, a a very dark web of money between the Bidens, the Biden Foundation, UPenn. Um, we're glad that you're getting the attention uh, that you have been seeking on this. Finally, we hope you follow it to the very end because I think this is very disturbing. Yeah, Peter we hope the special prosecutor and the House committees get into it too. That's 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 our hope now. Absolutely. Peter Flaherty, thank you. As we all know in U.S. politics today, it's almost as important of who finds out something. That seems to be many times more important than what they discovered. It's like when you find some bad news about somebody, you take it, you stick it like an arrow in your quiver, and you plan on using it for your benefit to attack somebody else to give you a little leg up on whatever conversation you're having. This is the world in which we live. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And you know what? When you have a lot of the things happening, good or bad, what seems to always happen? You don't hear a bunch of bad news when things are going around that captured our attention. We're concentrating. We only have so much time, so much effort and energy that we can give to one particular thing because so many things are happening and very seldom it's a human nature thing we don't want to concentrate all our time our thoughts our emotions on one thing that's bad we don't want to do that so we start looking oh my goodness we start looking we got to find something that will divert our attention our mental and emotional resources away from those. So we'll find something that's more, you know, it's more positive than the realities that are out there that are happening and we just want to get away from them. It's called escapism. Shrinks will tell you it's one of the most deadly things that happens to people. Why? Because we quit looking at the problems that we have and jumping on them to fix the problems, to do away with it more importantly, do away with the things that make the problems happen. And so we find excuses to make it okay for us forgetting about it. I'm certain my wife is listening to the show today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal something that's very common in our family, especially the women in our family. And I'm talking about the women in my family. I've got two daughters and Mary Ann. And then we have relatives, and she has three sisters. So this is, again, women's things, but it's also the family thing. If there's something bad going on and you don't talk about it, it's like it doesn't exist. So it's common in our family. The women don't talk about problems. Not all the time and not everybody. I don't want to you know, blanket everything on that. But it is a trait that has been picked up, escapism, that makes it easier to deal with things in life without dealing with things in life. You know what I'm saying? Most people don't like confrontations. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It keeps peace a lot of times when peace is really a positive that is necessary many times to just protect the atmosphere in where we live, our families, our homes, our businesses. It's just the way life goes, folks. 
and there's not much we can do about it, but hit it head on. On the other hand, I'm a confrontational person, and it's partly because I like confrontation. I like to push through. I'm an ADD guy. I'm honest about it. And it makes it easier for me to live when I can categorically put things and make them separate. Deal with them one thing at a time, maybe two or three at the same time, but I've got them segregated so they're there and they're absolute where they are and I can deal with them head on, hopefully, to get rid of them. That's what I like to do. I like to face them, resolve them, and put them behind me. And I don't mind, you know, I'm not always somebody that runs like a a bull in a china closet about stuff. I'm not. But I like to put things behind me. I like the sense of achievement of something. To get something done that has positives, but part of the positives are simply we put the negatives about them behind us. A sense of accomplishment, fulfillment. And doesn't it feel better when you know you did something good, you impacted somebody's life, you made things better? Hey, when Congressman Mike Johnson was here, I think it was last week when he was with us, was with us Friday morning, but maybe that conversation, he was with us a couple of weeks earlier, I can't remember. But we talked about that Born Alive bill. He mentioned it, and I'd forgotten it. He mentioned it again Friday. He's the one that wrote the bill, the Born Alive Bill. What is the Born Alive Bill? It's simply part of the abortion process. Now, this whole thing about abortion, I am totally in the tank pro-life, have been my entire life. I don't believe in abortion. Now, when I say I don't believe in abortion, I do know that abortions happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the argument that whenever life begins, you can kill a fetus. You could kill a fetus up to that point. No. I don't want to get into that whole conversation, but I I believe life begins at inception. But there has been for a long time, even in places where abortion has been illegal, there's been this born, al- born alive thing. And what is that? It's actually, it should be labeled something else. Because what it allows is literally when an abortion is attempted and the baby or the fetus lives, that living being deserves all of the rights and privileges that every person in the United States is guaranteed under the U.S. Congress uh, Constitution and all other laws that pertain to it. Did you know that there are actual killings of these babies that live through an abortion? And they're out of the womb. And they're legally terminated. This Born Alive bill, it finally passed Congress. But let's talk about just for a second. I want to let you hear from a couple of people. A doctor who is a representative from Iowa. She testified in the run-up before this vote was taken last week about the Born Alive bill. Listen to how she 
phrases this herself. As a mother, a doctor, a former nurse, and the former director of Iowa's Department of Public Health, I know firsthand the preciousness of life and the importance of neonatal care and the tragedies that ensue when proper care isn't provided. In fact, the first healthy baby I delivered as a doctor was to a young teenager who put the baby up for adoption. Our nation promises three things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There is no clause in the Constitution to exempt newborns who survive an abortion procedure from these rights. It is not only reasonable and unreasonable, but inhumane to deny care to babies who were born alive. Regardless of maternal intent, what could be more extreme than denying care to an infant born alive? My colleague on the other side of the aisle from New York is correct. It is infanticide. H.R. 26 is legislation that would receive wide support from both sides of the aisle. It is unconscionable to think that some members will choose to vote against this bill, which will ensure infants receive life-saving care simply because of partisan politics. This legislation isn't about banning abortions, but saving the lives of living, breathing, innocent newborns. Many states, including Iowa, have put safe haven laws in place to allow parents to leave their infants at hospitals or care facilities without fear of being prosecuted. We already have laws in place to protect these infants. Why should infants who survive an abortion be treated any differently? Like all other medical professionals, I took the Hippocratic Oath, which promises that I will do no harm. This legislation reaffirms the Hippocratic Oath and ensures that doctors across the United States are providing the same standard of medical care to all infants, regardless of the circumstance of their birth. I urge all of my colleagues to stand and support life by voting for H.R. 26. You may remember the former governor of the state of Virginia, Northam, Northam, North, anyway, Northam. He is a medical doctor, and I'll never forget it. We played it here on this show several different times, what he said in an interview about this very thing, the Born Alive issue. And here's how he described it. When he was talking about the process and how it developed, he said, the infant, the fetus, is born, and it's made comfortable, he said. And then the doctor talks with the mother of the baby, and she decides if that born-alive baby that they've made comfortable is to live or die. Now, I don't care who you are. That's just plain wrong. Northam was voted out of office, by the way. Anyway, Gerald Nadler, that keeper of all things righteous in the House of Representatives. I call him the penguin. If You wouldn't know why if you ever seen a picture or a video of him walking down a sidewalk. He went nuts in the debate about this Born Alive bill last week. The problem with this bill is not that it provides any new protections for infants. The problem with this bill is that it endangers some infants by stating that that infant must immediately be brought to the hospital, where, depending on the circumstances, that may be the right thing to do for the health and survival of that infant, or it may not. That is the problem with this bill. It, it, it um, um, directs and, and mandates a certain medical care 
which may not be appropriate, which may be endanger the life of an infant in certain circumstances. That's why we oppose this bill. I wanted you to hear that. They oppose it because listen to the insanity of the case that he just made. If a baby is being aborted outside of a hospital, that would that would mean maybe uh, at a Planned Parenthood facility. Think about it. The law would make that baby that was a unwanted product of an abortion, but nevertheless was born alive. This law would make it mandatory that they immediately transfer that baby to the hospital for care. And the problem is the care that they would get at a hospital could probably hurt them or even kill them. We can't let that law survive. What kind of person would actually come up and make that thought process sound legitimate? I would think that it would, and it now is if it passes in the Senate, it would be law that that baby is protected from the abortion folks that were part of the process to make sure that baby is not born alive. And the Penguin said, taking that baby to the hospital, forcing that to happen, could harm that baby and even kill that baby. You know, those horrible people at hospitals, they're not near as worthy and capable as are those abortionists at places like Planned Parenthood. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10-10-10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. <laughs> I've been called many things in my life. I don't think I ever got called a ray of sunshine, but thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete Moss. 
Hey, I wanted to um, I wanted to look at a few other things today. We are approaching our last half hour of the show. Man, the day has flown by. Why do we even say that? Oh, the day has flown by. <laughs> it never changes. It's 24 hours. I'm sorry. It didn't just decide, hey, today I'm only going to be like 15 hours. So we got to go faster. I don't even know why I brought that up or thought about that, but I did. It's Monday. I'm still real fresh. Supreme Court's in session. And they're set to hear a case. Now, I want you to listen to this. The case is of a biological man who identifies as a woman. That's not unusual. Contesting a decision by the Biden administration to deport him. The Biden administration claims that Leon Santos Zachariah has not exhausted, quote, all administrative remedies available before appealing their immigration decision. The case will consider, it's at the Supreme Court, whether illegal immigrants must petition the Board of Immigration Appeals before they seek redress in the Federal Court of Appeals. In other words, it's not about the substance, it's about the process. Santos Zachariah, he's 34 years old. He was deported to his home country of Guatemala back in 2008 and again in 2012, but he still came back to the U.S. in 2018. Zachariah is seeking protection under the Immigration and Nationality Act over alleged risk of persecution for his transgender identification. Now, although Santos Zachariah claims to have suffered persecution for being gay as a youth in Guatemala, he's previously said under questioning that some cities in Guatemala may be more accepting of his transgender identity. Joe Biden has cast himself as an ally of the transgender community, right? Even coming out in favor of kids getting irreversible sex change treatments. I can't believe anybody would be for that. Not especially our president, but Joe did it. The Department of Homeland, excuse me, Health and Human Services has also moved to interpret certain sections of the Affordable Care Act to force insurance companies to pay for sex change treatments. In November, a judge reversed an HHS rule that interpreted Title IX to prohibit doctors from refusing to perform sex change surgeries. So many important things. And I don't want to say this is not an important thing to that, I don't even know what to call man identifying as a woman. Not saying anything about it at all. I just think it's interesting when you hear there's there are these little subtle twists that happen that you look at them, you hear about them, and you just estimate, shake your head like, what is that person thinking about? Three times he's come back to the United States after being deported just because he's an illegal alien. You ever hear anything about the 
Afghanistan pullout, how much money we spent and who's left behind and who we brought over here and didn't vet and they've disappeared and then we find out they're on the terrorist watch list. You hadn't hear any, you're not hearing anything about that. Well, the nearly 50,000 Afghans that Joe Biden's administration housed on those five U.S. military bases for months, it went all the way through 2021, early 2022. Listen, them just being there on the military bases around the country has cost you and me, taxpayers, almost $189 million, million, and damages to the facilities. So following this withdrawal from Afghanistan in August 2021, it seems like it was just a month or two ago, Biden opened up a refugee pipeline that has now resettled more than 86,000 Afghans in American communities. 86,000. Many having no screening or even interviewed in person before we brought them to the U.S. Tens of thousands of these Afghans were housed initially at eight U.S. military bases, including 50,000 specifically placed at Fort Bliss in Texas, Fort Lee in Virginia, Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, Fort Pickett in Virginia, and Camp Annerberry in Indiana. Officials at those five bases, according to Department of Defense, noted nearly $189 million in damages, which taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill to fix. Fort McCoy, that's in Wisconsin, saw the heftiest price tag in terms of damages coming from over 12,700 Afghans who stayed there. In total, Afghans caused more than $145 million in damages at the base, that one base, Fort McCoy, including things like walls, ceilings, floors, doors, bathrooms, plumbing, electrical systems, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, exterior siding, and most of the facility's barracks. At Fort Bliss, Afghans housed at the base caused $575,000 in damages to mattresses and beds while they were there at Fort Lee. There were 632000 in damages at Fort Lee to floors, ceiling tiles, and electrical systems. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about these refugees. Most of them are gone. They've just gone. They've either left, they've been moved somewhere else, Now, keep in mind, our Department of Homeland Security confessed last week that 337,000 illegal aliens that came across the southern border, that they logged in, and they were supposedly putting them in these NGOs who were transporting them around the nation to be placed in our society where they are going to just thrive and help us so much. 337,000 of those. They were giving notices to appear. You know, they apply for they apply for uh, the ability to come to the United States as aliens. They've disappeared. They don't even know where they are. No big deal. 
They'll show up sometime. Yeah, many of them will show up in court. Now, you heard from Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City at the top of the show, talking about what uh, the illegal aliens are costing his city. Whistleblower came forward and said that these border crossers living for free in New York City hotel rooms, they are fighting staff, they drink all day, have sex in public, and there's more that that that's going on. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he bused tens of thousands of border crossers to the sanctuary city of New York City since April of last year. In return, Mayor Eric Adams has turned the migration into a cash boondoggle for luxury hotels that have received lucrative million-dollar contracts to house hundreds of border crossers. One of these hotels is Rowe, R-O-W, Rowe, N-Y-C, which has opened many of its rooms to border crossers. One employee of the hotel, Felipe Rodriguez, said this last week that the new arrivals are fighting with hotel staff. They're drinking all day long, having sex in public, as they enjoy having no expenses for room and board. The chaos that we see at the road today is compiled by migrants being drunk, drinking all day, smoking marijuana, consuming drugs, domestic violence, people having sex in the stairwells, young people, teenagers. They use the fire exit stairs to go in there and do that. They do. This is Rodriguez, that whistleblower. We have people trying to act like the hotel is theirs, and we have no rights. The form in which they keep their rooms is horrendous. They don't clean them. They don't fold their clothes. It's piles and piles. They're hoarding clothes. They're hoarding whatever they can hoard. There's no accountability. And when you go into their rooms and say something, the hotel management, especially the general manager, directs us that we're not allowed to tell them anything. They have carte blanche. There was a fight in the lobby. Rodriguez says he was there that night. One of the migrants was drunk, took a swing at a security officer, and hit him in the head. The security for the hotel took him down. NYPD responded. When they entered the hotel, there were a couple of teenagers at the stairs of the lobby, and when they saw the cops, they dropped their marijuana on the stairs and ran. Rodriguez said the hotel, it's now a haven for illnesses and viruses. Fortunately for the migrants, they got the government of the United States to hand them carte blanche to do anything they want. They go in and out of the hotel. You got people sick in there, spreading all types of sicknesses, chickenpox, COVID-19 right now. The ones with all the power are the migrants. The hotel workers lost their power. GM doesn't even have our back. I guess all he cares about is the money he's making. Months ago, Daniel Barber, who was with the Citywide Council of Presidents of New York City Housing Authorities, called out the mayor for spending at least $600 million on the newly arrived border crossers while the city's working poor struggle in subsidized housing projects. The city's going to put forth a ton of money for these people who aren't even citizens but they forget about the people who live in the public housing right here. Barber said this. 
They're going to train a bunch of people coming into the country, but those already here who apply through hoops to get in can't even get in. This is a world. This isn't the United States of America. None of this is native to the United States of America. None of it is part and part of Sicil to the structure of our nation. We hear people say all the time, everybody in the United States is an immigrant. No, 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 no. I'm not an immigrant. I was born here. I'm a United States citizen by birth. I did not immigrate here. My ancestors came here from Europe many, many, many years ago, way before it was as big a deal to come here as it morphed into. My ancestors were early settlers. Now, that doesn't mean I'm native. The only thing that makes it a fact that I am a Native American is I was born here. That that whole philosophy has been weaponized. How's it weaponized? It always is to denigrate anybody that disagrees with the person that talks about that. That's all it's about. I look at Indian people. I have friends that are Indian. I've worked with them over and over again through my life. There are some differences just because of heritage. And people make choices that are different from the choices that I make for myself and my family, my businesses. But that's what we're comprised of. The melting pot of the world is what the United States of America has been called forever. And we are. Each year, legal immigrants into the United States earn their citizenship. We as a nation allow illegal immigrants coming here a million each year. We've done that for decades. No other country on earth does that. In fact, it's even broader than that. All the countries, the other 190-something countries on the planet, if you get the numbers of their legal immigrants, they allowed to come in on an annual basis, and you put them all in a pool, those numbers. Of all of those 191 other countries, we still allow legal immigrants to come here in numbers more than all of the other countries on earth put together. Don't denigrate us. Don't tell me I took something from Native Americans. They're talking about the Indian people, the Native Indian people that were here. There's always been somebody standing on every piece of dirt on the planet. So if you use and go down that philosophy road they're talking about, anybody and everybody that breathes stole where they live from somebody else. (laughs) It's part of that woke crowd. I told you at the top of the show. It's going to collapse. That whole philosophy of somebody is endowed just because of something someone else tells them, it can't sustain itself. Sooner or later, it falls apart when somebody pushes the envelope and finds out what goes into that particular woke policy is not real. 
And then what do you do? If you walk around with wokeism being your God, wherever you work, wherever you live, wherever you operate socially, if you walk around with that wokeism philosophy at the back of your head, it'll blow your head up. Because eventually, layer by layer, piece by piece, circumstances by circumstance, you're going to find out there's no substance there and it can't sustain itself because there's nothing that's truthful about it. There's nothing that is lasting. Anything that is worth a flip, any philosophy, any thought process, any quote-unquote invention, if it's substantive, it, it will last on its own. It doesn't need a bunch of other fodder thrown into it. In fact, that's the worst thing that can happen. If it's good, leave it alone. Let it survive. Watch it. See it. Nurture it if it's good. But don't make it be good by telling everybody on the earth. You can't counter that. You can't say anything counter to that because it's good. Leave it alone. Oh, and because you don't agree with it, that means you don't have the right to disagree with it. So you're not a woke person. You're not woke. I despise, I despise the very fact that that is weaving itself into the fabrics of this nation. The American people are allowing it. Many are open-armed welcoming it. And it's oozing into the pores of all of the American people. And when it gets there, it summarily and stealthily destroys that skeletal background of equal justice under the law. We're promised freedom, liberty, justice for all. We're promised the rule of law. We're promised all those good things on an equal basis. And people want to take those things and make them giveable, sellable. Somebody controls those things, and we will tell you which are sustainable and which are not, which you can do and which you can't do. So you got to listen to me before you even breathe. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. 
Little Caesar's thin crust pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's large thin crust pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in D.C. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan. Something we haven't heard much about in this turnover of control of the U.S. House of Representatives from Nancy Pelosi's brood to the American people and the GOP. Very little has been discussed about that mess of mainstream media and the social media companies. So what are they going to do about it? What are the Republicans of the 118th Congress, what do they intend to do to stop this oppression from social media companies? Well, they, they tell us they're going to hold hearings on censorship by private companies that are in collusion with the left-wingers in the federal government and the media. They give speeches in those hearings. They bang the gavel. They berate Silicon Valley executives over Zoom or maybe even in person in committee hearings. Congressman Jim Jordan, he'll take off his sport coat and give totally true speeches about the un-American abuses we're all feeling of power taking place in our tech industry. But then... He and his colleagues, they go on news, like Fox News, conservative news, to talk about it. They'll fundraise off what they say on TV. The fundraisers make good money, too, because people care about this issue. Donate now to get more viral clips of us owning the libs. Send money for more investigations. I don't know if you've noticed, but Republicans love investigations. Remember Benghazi? How about Hillary Clinton's servers? Fast and Furious, the one that that time Barack Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder funneled weapons to Mexican cartels, and they did so to help score a propaganda win against legal American gun owners. That doozy, that Fast and Furious thing, it ended up with a mass murder at a children's birthday party, a slain Border Patrol agent named Brian Terry, countless other cartel atrocities. What it did not end is with Attorney General Eric Holder in prison. That's a travesty. Rather, when his boss left office a couple of years later, he bragged about being in his scandal-free administration. That's all right, though. These investigations dragged on, TV appearances abounded, celebrities were made, campaign money was minted. No surprise, we're in for a repeat episode this time around. Nobody expected a Republican leader from California to take the lead against big tech. Jordan's office has been staffed by Silicon Valley defenders for years. When men like Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, Ken Buck, when they fought for the American Innovation and Choice Online Act this summer and in the fall, 
They knew it was the last game in town. A Republican majority would be too afraid of appearing hostile towards big business to even think about tackling big tech on their own. And Democrat minorities? Huh. Their discipline and their unwillingness to help when they're not in power, they've done it throughout history. We've watched it happen. Voters, you know, we minions out here. (laughs) We should recognize the theater for what it is. It's the reality of where the Republican Party stands today. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat, certainly. I'm a registered independent. I lean heavily toward most of the Republican Party processes and what they do. But this, I don't know, GOP lawmakers, they've learned to talk like conservative populists, decrying the abuses of big business, but when big businesses say, mandate unproven and dangerous medical procedures for employees or customers, they shrug, mutter something impugning Reagan. (laughs) The message, the government should defend its citizens unless it's against big business and big tech. For those companies doing business with the Chinese, for private universities that take millions of foreign dollars and place spies in key sectors of science, technology, and even defense. Republicans are brave enough to talk about it. Doing anything, however, well, that wouldn't be conservative because it's big tech, it's big business. Google may not have an army. The East India Company once marched, but it controls the flow of information across the planet, uses that power to muffle dissent on everything from politics to medicine to science. Amazon might not have the Navy. The East India Company once sailed, but Amazon dominates American commerce, ripping off and undercutting small businesses through self-preferencing and other shady practices. The app stores might not rule the Raj, but they control what products and thereby the content is allowed on our cell phones. Who can ping us, buzz in our pockets, command our immediate attention, and who cannot? Those companies have again and again and again demonstrated a total willingness to crush competition and dissent, to answer that monopolistic aggression with more investigations to show who really rules the United States. And it ain't the people. We are sitting in the back of the bus, all of us. Think about it. Politicians rarely lead. Oh, they act like they are. They tell us they are, but they're followers, voters and activists. Writers and thinkers, however, have the ability to lead them, the politicians, or at least push them in the right direction. I hate to say this, but we can intend indeed to expect jack all on big tech from this Republican Congress. It ain't going to happen. It's not there. There's no belly for it. 
The only thing that could change it is if those Republicans can't count on us to buy the theater that their show is playing on any longer. Am I anti-Republican? Absolutely not. I'm pro-conservative. To that end, a federal court in Oregon has upheld a Title IX exception that permits religious universities to get federal funding even if they follow religious beliefs regarding marriage, sexual identity, and gender. A group of 40 LGBT individuals filed a 2021 lawsuit against the Department of Education challenging an exception or a loophole in Title IX that permits religious colleges to get seek exemptions from the civil rights laws of restriction against sex-based discrimination. Judge Ann Aiken from the U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon found that that loophole is one narrow exception to Title IX that was designed by Congress to safeguard institutions controlled by any religious organization and avoid interfering with their convictions that might conflict with the regulations. Exempting religiously controlled educational institutions from Title IX and only to the extent that a particular application of Title IX would not be consistent with the trend of the controlling of religious organizations is substantively related to the government's objective of accommodating religious exercise. I waited till the end to tell you that, just to tell you. Everything we talked about, the good, the bad, the ugly, there is still good in our government. There is still good in the United States of America. And you and I, we are participating in it. We have been, and we will continue to participate in the good stuff happening in America. And we will make more happen. We're going to get our hearts and lives right with God. We're prepared for the tomorrow that comes our way. You guys have a big, big day. The long-awaited rains have fallen hard upon the thirsty ground. I carved the way to where the wild and rushing river can be found. And like the rains, I have been carried here to where the river flows. Yeah. My heart is racing. And my knees are weak as I walk to the edge I know there is no turning back Once my feet have left the ledge And in the rush I hear a voice It's telling me it's time to take the leap of faith So here I go I'm diving in Our heart, the only thing worth living and worth dying.